Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and growers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their stories and opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. This week on Factum Agri, Ag Research Senior Scientist Cameron Craigie joins me to discuss some research on New Zealanders' meat consumption. Cameron joins me now. Hello Cameron, welcome to the show. Good morning Angus, thanks for having me. Please can you tell me about the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely, be delighted to. So I'm a senior scientist here at Ag Research and do a couple of different things. One of them is developing or working on the development of Ag Research's food strategy around focusing on what we're doing, what we're not doing, how we're going to have an impact on the pastoral agricultural sector, et cetera. And the mm. second thing I do is uh, actually do some science. I am very mm. interested in how we can better understand consumer needs and how we can measure those. So I'm working on the development of a technology called Clarispec, which is okay. uh, a measurement technology enabling meat, the meat industry and meat value chains to measure eating experience or eating quality attributes in red meat. Interesting. So I gather there is research out that says nine out of 10 Kiwis eat meat. Um, have, I, have I got that right? And can you tell me about the research and how the results were obtained? Yes, you have got that right. So we we did a piece of research. Um, my colleagues and I, my, my colleagues at Ag Research, Dr. Carolina Riolini, who led the the research as well as um, some collaborators at Lincoln University sought to under, undertake this research to better understand what consumers are thinking about when they're buying meat. Um, so at, assess their attitudes to various attributes at the point of purchase to understand intentions that they might have to cut down because we've seen interest in that area yep. and to explore the perceptions of alternatives. Okay. So how was the research conducted? So this was done through a company, a, re, a market research company, actually, that specialised in um, consumer uh, survey work, yep. Qualtrics. Um, they they have a database that they screen through and, and maintain for uh, for these types of analyses. So we didn't go out as, a, as scientists and spend our time uh, calling up over a thousand people. That's not yep. how we did it. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, studies done through 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 Qualtrics, and they have a series of questions that they run through uh, with with those respondents. Yeah. Um, so that's basically how we do it. So the, the 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 one thing that we need to bear in mind with this methodology is that people do say one thing on the phone and do another when they're actually at the supermarket or at okay. the shop or, or wherever they're buying their food. So we do have to bear that in mind. They may have. Uh, sort of over um, estimated some or over reported on some of the things so, so you know what what the actual drivers are that idealized view if you like of of themselves perhaps so just yeah, okay. need to bear that in mind sure not spending and, their cash <laughs> yeah sure and they might be providing answers that you perhaps would like to hear well that's that could be a risk but you, you sort of bear that in mind and you, and you can get around that to some extent by such a large uh, study size. Okay, so it's, it's not not so much that they're not telling you what you want to hear. It's just that that 
saying one thing and doing another when they're actually spending money that's a known thing we're all we're all a bit guilty there yeah human behavior yeah Yeah, Um, exactly so what sort of sample size are we talking about here uh just over a thousand a thousand and sixty one respondents in this study yeah so um mixture of all walks of life um yeah so the the full breakdown you can you can find that in the in the scientific paper Mm. roughly equal males females Mm. uh, different age demographics etc you know it was all all of the usual demographic things recorded yep why do you think we love meat in this country so much well i think it actually there's a few sort of things to consider there meat's been an important part of the human diet for thousands of years so you've got you know this cultural or or, or co-evolving or, or evolution of uh, humans and meat together. Um, you know, think back to the, the the dark the dark old days and and thousands of years ago, meat probably was the difference between survival and not mm. survival. Mm. Right, very important source of nutrition for humans. So if you think mm. about that, going back that far, um, you know that's perhaps not the same today, uh, but you know that's an, an entwined link between humans and meat for years mm. for, for 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 millennia so i think that's part of it but i also think sort of more and more modern times you've got this cultural um association you know for generations in new zealand of, of eating meat um what we've seen perhaps you know 50 years ago is is chicken was you know a special occasion um meal and perhaps red meats were more everyday staples. Mm. I think what we're seeing now is actually that's flipped and you might be seeing more chicken as the everyday. And we saw that right. in our study. Yeah. And red meat products have become the special occasion. Okay. Mm. What about consumption? Are we eating the same amount of meat as we did, say, 20 years ago? And if we are not, what are the drivers of change, do you think? Oh, no, people have definitely cut down. And we saw that, you know, just in this snapshot. That is the case. The forty-seven percent have reduced their consumption in the twelve months prior. Uh, the main drivers for that are actually affordability, and yep. over time, I think it's probably consistent in affordability or availability, those types of things. But affordability, health concerns are another one, um, particularly around say processed products. There's been a, a bit of attention to the need of uh, health effects of highly processed. Uh, meat products so people will be responding to that Mm. so you mentioned chicken as being the highest consumption currently is that price point or is there a perception that chicken is somewhat less processed or healthier no it's price point mainly so chicken is price point and availability so price point in that it's that it's significantly cheaper Mm. uh, but also availability in terms of um you're seeing it in, in takeaways, in um, you know, quick to prepare meals. It's it's just more widely available, I think, and and used by um, by the likes of takeaway companies and others than mm. than say beef or lamb, particularly because beef and lamb are they're expensive ingredients for for those sorts of um, operators. Yeah, so cost of production is lower on the on the chicken front. Well, I don't actually know the answer to that. I'm not an expert on chicken production at all. Um, but you certainly got, you know, with with beef and lamb, you've got a lot of seasonal variation. You've got export markets. You've got weather events. And you've also got large 
tracts of land needed to produce them. So, you know, there's New Zealand is definitely not a low cost producer of red meat products. Mm. And that's, you know, really important reason why we do need to sort of focus on how we how we pursue value because we're not really able to, to 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 carry on down the commodity route for any great length of time yeah sure what about alternative proteins or, or meat alternatives how they've been consumed in this country well there's a high level of awareness of meat alternatives and that's not you know well i wouldn't say that meat alternatives i'll call them plant plant-based uh proteins say like mm. tofu and and temper and corn products been around for years mm. And, you know, then you've got the next sort of level of insect-related uh, um, proteins and the like, and then you've got cultured meat. So what we saw is 70% of respondents are aware of, of other alternative plant-related proteins, like, like like the traditional soy and temper-based ones. Uh, you know, 50% perhaps aware of insects and, and other types of protein. But when they actually ask them, you know, would you try some of these, you know, um, alternatives or cultured meat products very mm. few like 18 percent would actually try it which which sort of says that if you were going into that in new zealand it would be a pretty hard road um mm. at the moment for for that you know to, to meet those or to, to get traction or or mm. uptake of that product but uh, it's not i don't think it's an either or thing either and i i think um you know we run the risk of having the meat versus non-meat debate it's actually a both Mm. And no one's ever said that the ultimate burger wasn't a wasn't a mixture, you know. Yeah. So so we've yeah, got to yeah. look at it like that. It's not an either or. Mm. Now internationally, there is a growing market in what we call the conscious consumer or conscious foodie. I'm sure you're well aware of this. Sustainability and animal welfare are top of mind for this group of consumers. Are we seeing any, any indication here in New Zealand that we have a conscious consumer group who are willing to pay more? Yeah, well, people have said in the survey that they were willing to pay for, you know, higher animal welfare and sustainability. Actually, that's that's the thing. Is sustainability means uh, it can mean a lot of different things, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's just just important to acknowledge that that it's a subjective term, mm. and um, you know, you got to take it with a bit of uh, that in mind. It could mean um, yeah, animal welfare or or no GMOs or all sorts of stuff. So. Um, yes, there's a there's a category there. Um, there was, uh, you know, people saying they were willing to pay a premium for that. Um, but again, you've just got to bear in mind that people say one thing and do another. So if it was mm. that easy, everyone would be doing it, right? Everyone would be claiming yep. these things. But but people, you know, there is cases like the free range eggs where people do pay a premium. They are happy to pay premium for that. And um, so yeah, look, there is a category for that, but it's it it is all in the context of price if you're already paying quite a lot you know what people make trade-offs and make choices so mm. they might might eat meat less often and be willing to pay more for it for example yeah and they do from my perspective i always have a i guess a view that is supportive of farmers in this country do you think in time we can reach a place in a global market where new zealand protein stands out and ultimately commands a premium which will filter back to increase farm gate returns for farmers because we're seeing increased pressure through various things like policy and, and input costs for farmers and it would ultimately for from a farmer's perspective be wonderful if if um, farm gate returns could keep pace or certainly outmatch uh, these input costs that farmers are currently seeing 
Yeah, I, I do think that we will get there one day. So my my vision for that is kind of like I, I look at it. Say for example, lamb and, and this idea of lamb by design, where you actually design a, and and produce a, a, a lamb product to meet a premium market segment because it ticks every single box and meets the meets consumer or core consumer needs. Yeah, you know better than anybody else. So you've got to be doing something better than 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 your alternatives or your your competitors to to mm-hmm. be able to do that. Um, and and to me, that's the 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 nub of it is actually um, figuring out what what consumer, who our target consumer is, and actually do it, dialing up all of the things that we can within our circle of control to meet that. Mm. So we're so to that's why, what yeah why we do things like measuring or, or developing technologies to 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 measure the intrinsic meat quality parameters at an industrial scale to enable that. Yeah. So where to in your work in this particular area from here? So, so consumer consumer work it's, it itself is is we probably we don't do too much of that. We're more interested in in perhaps the the underpinning science that enables um, you know our our partners to yep. to address consumer needs. So, for yep. example, my my work um, developing this a technology called Clarispec, which is designed to um, basically enable red meat value chains to measure things that are important to consumers like taste, mm. right? Um, like potentially shelf life and, and other things that, that are used by date we saw as an important driver. So actually uh, starting to un- unpick and unravel the things in, you know, lamb production or lamb um, farming yep. that that we could do better. Right? Mm. How do we uh, how do we understand the blueprint of of the 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 ultimate lamb product, and how do we do that consistently? Mm. And you, and to do that, you need to be able to measure and market those things. Yep. At so, scale. Yeah. Okay. So it's really understanding a consumer's needs and being able to follow that from the farm right through essentially the consumer at an international level as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at how how all of this works and the role of the research provider in there. So you need, we, we as researchers, we partner and work with the industry um, to to do that. And that, that in some ways that, that at the moment is from the pasture industries, we, we meet dairy. Um, but having said that in the future, if we're deriving alternatives or farming them, then, you know, there's potential for our science to help with that too. But the way this would work is, is, what does the science need, and how do we how do we form up science questions and address those, mm. uh, and to enable our customers to 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 better meet that consumer need state, right? Mm. So we would work with international marketing companies or or, or meet meet processes and marketers to do that. Um, but you have to also we we have to acknowledge that it's not just a science question, right? So there's mm. a there's a role of science in there, but in order to bring that that to bear, you've you know there's a collaboration between science and industry and you know doing one without without the other is suboptimal so you know that's that's part and parcel of what we do at AgriSearch is, is work with industry yeah is there any relevance to i guess the science meeting customer expectations or, or customer understanding of say progression in areas like sustainability yeah there, there's definitely a, a science angle to it but You've got to be careful with it because there's so there's a lack of consensus about how these things are measured, right? So you can actually end up 
muddying the water with just a consumer overload with information mm. so so i think the, that's probably a, a risk our position would be that we when we're, we're a science organization we stick to the facts and how that is um, used by uh, industry to underpin products we leave that up to them the messaging yep. piece yeah of course wonderful hey look um i really appreciate uh, you coming and having a chat with me today it's been great chatting to you Thanks, Angus. Appreciate it. Good on you, Kiwis. Not only does eating meat support New Zealand farmers, but there are, of course, nutritional benefits. Lamb and beef provides an efficient source of complete protein, all essential amino acids, vitamin B12 and zinc. One of the challenges that Cameron points out is price point. We need to be conscious of the fact that what the consumer pays at the checkout is a fraction of what the farmer receives. At the moment, a farmer is receiving around $5.50 a kilogram for processed prime cattle from the freezing works. Lamb is returning between $7.20 and $7.50 per kilogram. Premium beef mints at Pack and Save is selling for about $20 per kilogram, with fillet steak fetching around $38 per kilogram. Lamb mints will set you back $20 per kilogram, give or take. And a lamb rack at the premium end is around $57 per kilogram. Now, of course, there are many hands meat goes through to get to the checkout. But you have to wonder how much of a role a lack of supermarket competition in this country is playing in high meat prices at the checkout. Something has to give at a retail level, either through legislation or increased market competition. The duopoly that we currently have in New Zealand does nothing to support communities and getting a fair deal for food, and it certainly does not help farm gate returns, both of which play a significant role in ensuring a healthy New Zealand economy into the future. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening, and catch you next time.